If you would like to borrow a Bible, would you raise your hand, please? And the ushers will let you borrow one so you can follow along with us this morning. Just raise up your hand and put it in the pew when you're done. I would like to welcome those of you who are uh, new this morning. I'm really glad that you're here. We are in the middle of the book of Matthew. For those of you students who left uh, back in June when we were in Matthew, we didn't, we didn't take a break. We just kept going through Matthew, and we're, we're still in it. So if you want to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. If you can't find Matthew, look on someone next to you. They can help you find it. The question we were left with last week from the disciples was, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus answered by turning them away from this competitive arrogance for greatness and to follow after him in humility. Well, this week we get another question from the disciples, specifically Peter, who asked the question, when my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? And what we're going to see this morning is Jesus' answer. Let's go ahead and stand as I read the passage together. Let me read this to you, starting in verse 21. I'll read it. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. And I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that great servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me. And I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Maybe seat it. Many of us struggle to forgive. Some of you struggle to forgive the large offenses that have happened to you in the past, offenses that have actually altered your life. 
I'm not talking about necessarily altered the course of your life physically, but some of you had some bad stuff happen to your past that has messed you up mentally till this day or even emotionally. And you're having a hard time forgiving. And some of you are having a hard time not only forgiving the huge offenses against you, but you're having a hard time forgiving these daily offenses that that keep happening to you over and over again as you live life in this fallen world. You have a heart that, that, that doesn't want to forgive. We all struggle with this. So whether it's the, the huge things or the daily lack of forgiveness, I just, I just want to say to you, if you bring a heart here this morning that's struggling with forgiveness and, and you don't want to give it out, it, it could be stunting your growth as a Christian. I would say that it is stunting your growth as a Christian. If you wonder why you're kind of dull and, and stuck where you're at, it could be because inside of your heart, you're not forgiving someone who's done something against you. And, and I know that that's the last thing you want to deal with this morning. You come here, some of you just started school, you're busy. Some of you have a packed fall calendar and you don't have time to take a little time out and deal with your heart before God on this issue of forgiveness. But I'm going to tell you, if you're stuck in bitterness, if you have this resentfulness hanging around, if you're, maybe you're angry because you, something someone's done to you or you're stuck in despair, you are not going to move forward until you deal with it. And I believe that God has brought a significant amount of you here this morning. And you know what he wants to do? This is what he wants to do. He wants to corner you. He wants to corner you. And he wants to say, look, let's deal with this. I want you free from your heart of bitterness. I want you free from the despair that you're feeling, from this lack of forgiveness. So he's cornered you. There's, there's no escaping it. Like, if you knew what we're going to talk about this morning, some of you wouldn't have come. But now that you're here, you maybe feel like it's impolite to leave or you're stuck in the middle of a row or something. You're just like, I can't get out. So God's got you. And I want to encourage you by saying, look, forgiveness is possible. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that our Father grants to us, it is possible And we now have the power to forgive others. And this story that we have here this morning is amazing. So let's start looking at the details and see how forgiveness is possible. Let's let's look. This is what we do at our church. We just kind of just go through the passage, try to understand it. So let's jump in in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often my brother sinned against me, and I forgive him. As many as seven times? I mean, Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. It was, uh, it was a topic that he brought up all the time. And, and the rabbis of the day thought that you could forgive someone who sinned against you up to three times. And Peter's like, well, we follow Jesus, so we must do twice as much as that. Let's just go ahead and aim for the number of perfection. Okay, Jesus, shouldn't we forgive them seven times? Isn't that great? Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Or some of your versions say 77 times. And we're going to see that it's not the exact figure that, that matters. It's because the emphasis is going to be on the abundance of forgiveness 
beyond measure. And I think Jesus uses this because he's making a contrast from someone in the Old Testament. There was once this guy uh, in the Old Testament. Apparently, another man wounded him, and he ended up killing the man in revenge. And then he compared his revenge upon this man for Cain's revenge upon Abel and his anger against Abel in the Old Testament. And this is what Lamech says in Genesis 4.24. Lamech says, If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So Lamech's revenge was, was extravagant. It was over the top. And this happened in the book of Genesis. And what Jesus does, he makes a contrast between this extravagant and over-the-top Revenge, and he talks about this extravagant and over-the-top forgiveness. That our forgiveness is to be limitless. It's to be continual. It's to be a lifestyle that doesn't stop. That we're to be walking around as people of grace. And when people offend us, whether it's the big stuff or the small stuff, we are ready to forgive them because we've had our hearts changed and we can extend forgiveness to others. Now, before we dive into any more details, let's just give a shot in trying to explain forgiveness. I mean, it's kind of something we get and kind of understand, but how do you explain it? What, what, what is forgiveness? And so I'm going to try to give my best shot here in the next few moments and see, see if you can catch on to this. This is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means to absorb the blow or absorb the liability or the debt of someone else's sin against us, absorb the full brunt of that sin, and not strike back. Author Sam Storms defines it like this. He says that forgiveness is deciding to live with the painful consequences of another person's sin. And he elaborates by saying, we're not going to bring it up again. Someone sins against us, we're not going to bring it up to them. We're not going to bring it up to ourselves. We're not going to bring it up to others. We're not going to hold it over the other person. We're not going to throw it back in their face. We're not going to pull it out at an opportune time to shame them or to manipulate them. Nor are we going to bring it up to ourselves in order to justify our bitterness. We're going to forgive. And I think we should think about forgiveness in two ways so we don't get uh, confused. If someone sins against me, there is a a vertical portion of forgiveness and then there's a horizontal portion of forgiveness. It's like a relationship between me and God and my relationship between uh, you and I. It it, it goes something like this. You, You sin against me. Unless you approach me and say, man, I'm sorry, I I blew that, Uh, will you forgive me? Unless something like that happens in some type of transaction, they're not gonna, there's not going to be this, this reconciliation, right? When you agree, because we, we, haven't, we haven't worked this out. But I can still forgive you. Before a holy God, I can say, I forgive this person. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm not going to be bitter, and I'm still going to love them. So I can still have this relationship with God and with them, but there's still some tension in the relationship because it's not reconciled, because they, they've not asked for forgiveness. But some people, especially in the church, will say, 
I will never forgive that person unless they first come and ask for forgiveness because that's how forgiveness works. And until that happens, I will not forgive. No, no. Be careful. Don't get tripped up here. I still think it's true. They need to say something before the relationship can be reconciled. They need to ask for forgiveness. But we can still forgive them. Can you imagine walking through your life not forgiving the wrongs in your past because people didn't come and ask you for forgiveness? Can you imagine how much bitterness and anger and hatred you would have? But before God, we can say, God, I release that to you. I trust you in your sovereignty. Please help me to just give that to you and love that person by your grace. And what Jesus is getting at consistently here is a lifestyle of forgiveness, a forgiveness that keeps happening over and over and over again. And if you want to live in this world as a believer, you will need to practice a lifestyle of forgiveness because you will be offended. You will be sinned against, and it will happen over and over again. And the relationship I can think that probably happens more than any other relationship is the relationship of marriage. For those of you who are single and one day you want to get married and you say, well, what can I work on now so that when I get married, I'll be a a better spouse? We'll start practicing a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because in marriage, if you're not bringing it in with a lifestyle of forgiveness, your marriage is going to be a mess. Can I get an amen from the married people? Yeah, it's true. Because what happens when you're married Each spouse is a sinner who brings in different set of expectations and they carry those expectations throughout their marriage. And every single day is a dashing of expectations that can create bitterness and anger. And if you're you're not a person of grace who's quick to forgive, it's going to be a mess. And that is why Jesus talks about this lifestyle of forgiveness. And the question you got to ask is, well, how could anybody possibly live that way? That's hard. How can you just grant forgiveness? How do you do that? The great C.S. Lewis has asked the same question. I, I like the way he puts it. Let me put up this quote from him. He says, this is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single great injury, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life, to keep on forgiving the bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? That's a great question. How can we do it? How can we forgive one another consistently, lifestyle, over and over again? Well, Jesus shows us how in this great parable. Let's look at this great story he told, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is a great king, and he maybe has this servant of, of great rank. Maybe he was a treasurer with a lot of responsibilities. And this servant owes the king an amount that is financially off the charts. It's 10,000 talents. And some try to do the math for all of this and calculate it as 193,000 years of labor 
or $12 billion in today's money. But I don't think we're supposed to calculate it necessarily. I think what's going on here is that when the crowd first heard this, they were to see that this servant owed the king such a large amount, it'd be like us saying zillions, bajillions, so much. There's no way he's ever going to pay the king back. His debt is so great. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Since there's no way this servant's going to pay it back, into slavery he goes with his whole family. And he pleads for mercy. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He's lying. He's desperate. He can't pay back zillions. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. In this awesome, stunning move that you just can't, you just like you can't even believe it. if you're hearing this uh, as a crowd, as Jesus is telling us, it's such a stunning move. The master of the servant had so much compassion and pity on him that he forgives his debt against them. He absorbs the man's liability, and he lets him go. Can you believe it? Can you believe he did that? You, you just lost zillions. You just lost the ability to, to, to punish someone who didn't pay you back. You absorb the liability, let him go. And that is exactly what God does for us in Jesus. We have sinned against a holy God, and, and there must be punishment for our sin. I mean, one sin is such a great offense to a, a holy God, but we have, we have, our, our sins are, are limitless. I, I was trying to do some math this past week on my documented sins since birth. I was trying to figure out how to calculate them, and someone helped me do it. Um, I'm almost 40, so that means that I have lived about 14,600 days and 350,400 hours, approximately. And let's just say I commit two sins per hour. You're like, well, how are you sinning when you're sleeping? Well, I make up for it when I'm awake. So <laughs> let's just say... Two sins per hour. I can't even do the math. That is, that is a lot of sinning. That is a lot of sinning. And, and, and my sin is, is greater than even that math. I'm a, I'm a sinner at the core who sins. And before a holy God, I am doomed. And so are you. You're doomed. And you may be thinking, well, when I die, I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to say, I'm going to let that one slide. Holy God doesn't do that. It's against his character. He's not going to say, I'm, just going to let, I'm going to let those thousands, millions, zillions sins just slide. You can just forget it. No, no. We are accountable for holy God, and there must be payment for our sin. But in a stunning move, we receive mercy. We receive mercy in Jesus because on the cross, he has taken the hit and the punishment 
for our sin. He is absorbing the blow, the liability, the debt that we, we owe. He's taking our punishment. God's wrath is being poured out on him because he's in my place. And get this, through faith in Jesus, I'm free. Through faith in Jesus, you're free. You receive mercy. Your sins are forgiven. That's amazing. And and, and that message is consistent in the Bible. Let me just throw you some verses that are so encouraging. Romans 5, 6 and 8. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for nice, good people. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. While we were weak, we received mercy. Our sins are forgiven in Jesus. Psalm 103.12 As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Psalm 133 and 4 If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Not me. But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. And we could go on and on and on. God is the great king, and we are his servants through faith in Jesus who have been forgiven. And we've been forgiven a huge amount. But this means that when others sin against us, By his grace and in his power, we are now to move toward them in forgiveness. Well, let's keep going. Verse 28. Let's see if that's what the servant's going to do. Surely he would. I mean, mean, my goodness, you got to. Look at verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. All right, so this fellow servant of his owes our forgiven servant a pretty good size amount. And let's just say, I think it's about, the math here is about 20 weeks of labor. So our forgiven servant owed about 600,000 times this amount, yet he chokes his fellow servant and says, that you need to pay what you owe. And so his fellow servant, so this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. (laughs) It's amazing. This fellow servant's begging just like he begged, but his fellow servant can actually pay off the debt. He could never pay it off. He doesn't care. He takes him, gets thrown in the jail. In jail, there's no way he can pay off his debt. He's got to have his friends and his family work hard to bail him out later on. He's such a a wicked servant. Why would he do this? Why would he not forgive? Do you guys, would would we all agree he's an idiot? Yeah? Would we all agree that the move he just made, you would think, this should be on headline news. This should be the front page of the paper. This is the most ridiculous thing. Why in the world would this guy not do this? Why would you not forgive? This is just ridiculous. And you go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But it's always got to come back to you, right? If you've been forgiven such a great amount, why is it that you withhold forgiveness from others? 
Like, what's going on? What, what are you thinking? Over the next few months, we're going to gather together in something we call ethos communities. And one of the things we're going to try to deal with, the stuff we don't really want to deal with, we're going to try to deal with each other's hearts. It's going to be kind of scary. And one of the issues we're going to try to deal with is like, why is there bitterness and anger and despair, lack of forgiveness? What's going on in your heart? And, and so, some of the, um, the, the, um, the book we're going to read is by a guy named Paul Tripp called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And all the books that Paul Tripp writes, basically you're trying to get at different angles on your heart and to see what's going on. Uh, and one of the books I've, I've read of his, he tries to say, he tries to come to understanding when you do not forgive someone else, when you will not let their debt go, what's going on inside? And I want to share with you a few of the things that he, he shares in his book on when we're not forgiving, what's going on? So the first thing he shares when we don't forgive is that debt is power. You don't want to forgive someone because you want power over them. And if they do something against you, you want to hold this power. And when they do something at just the right time, you want to bring it up again, their offense, so you can hold it over them. So debt is power. Second thing he says is debt is identity. You hold on to someone else's sin because you want to feel superior to them. Rather than having your identity in Jesus, you want your identity to be over feeling better than someone else. That they're down here and you're up here. The third thing he says is debt is entitlement. <laughs> this is, oh, we're all guilty of this one. You just want to carry it around and be like, you owe me. And I want you to always know that you owe me. So I'm going to hold on to this. I'm not going to forgive you. So in our relationship, you're going to be the one that always owes me. Number four, debt is weaponry. We carry these old hurts against us like a loaded gun. It's like, you know what? You want to start something with me? You want to mess with me? I'm going to go after you with all your junk that you've done to me. I'm going to take you out. And what's at the core of all this? What's the last one? Debt puts us in God's position. That's basically what we want to do. We want to play God. I'm not going to forgive you because I want to judge you. I want to make sure that you pay. I can't trust God to take it out on you. He's too nice. You will pay. I wonder what God thinks about this. I wonder what the Father in heaven thinks about our lack of forgiveness. I wonder what he thinks about when we try to play God. We don't have to wonder. Look at verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Since the man didn't forgive the debt of his fellow servant, he receives a worse punishment than he would have begun at first. At first, he would have just been sold into slavery, but now he's handed over to the jailers. And the more accurate translation, it's probably in several of your Bibles, is not the word jailers. It's the word torturers. I don't know all the details of 
torturers. But that, that sounds scary, that he's going to be tortured until his debt is paid. And when will his debt be paid? Never. He can't pay off zillions. And just in case you're not getting the connection of this whole parable, Jesus makes the connection for you. In verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. God, according to this, will punish those who refuse to forgive from the heart. If, if I'm understanding this parable right, it seems to me that the motivation to forgive is twofold. It overflows from the forgiveness that I have received or you have received through faith in Jesus Christ from our Heavenly Father. And it's also a warning if we refuse to forgive. I think too many times in the Bible, as believers, we write off the warnings. We say, well, that doesn't apply to us because we're believers and God would never do that to us. I, I think we write off the warnings too quickly. The warnings are meant to what? Warn us. And what do believers do? Believers heed warnings. So the warning is serious. You don't forgive from your heart. There will be this punishment. There must be forgiveness from the heart. Well, what does that, what does that mean, forgiveness from the heart? How do you know if you've really forgiven someone from the heart? Some days you feel like you've forgiven them, and other days you're like, I'm not quite so sure. What does it mean to forgive someone from the heart? There's a great book by this guy named Ken Sandy called The Peacemakers. And in this book, he, I guess he runs across people who, who will say things like this. They'll say things, maybe you've said this before. They say things like, that. I forgive him. I just don't want to have anything to do with him again. You ever said that before? Oh, I forgive her. I just don't ever want to see her again. Can you imagine if God said that to us? I forgive you. I just don't want to have anything to do with you again. That's not forgiveness from the heart. Like I said, Sandy in Peacemaker says that forgiveness from the heart makes four promises. I'm going to give you the four that he says. It makes four promises. Promise number one, when we forgive from the heart. I will not think about this incident, which means I'm not going to dwell on it. Number two. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. No weaponry here. I'm going to put the gun away. I'm going to put everything away. I'm not going to use it against you. Number three, I think this is the hardest one. I will not talk to others about this incident. Don't you love to tell other people what other people have done to you so wrong? Just blah, blah, blah. Number four, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. That, that's forgiveness from the heart. That is forgiveness between two people. When one seeks reconciliation, that is forgiveness from the heart. Now, I guarantee you, if we did a little open mic time, I guarantee you, many of you would have so many questions. You would say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this situation? Well, this is what happened to me. And so what I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to give some clarifications. I'm going to anticipate your questions and try to give you some clarifications what we're talking about on forgiveness, all right? So I'm just going to throw these out rapid fire, comment on a few of them because I know that some of you are wondering some of these things. First one is this. Forgiveness does not have to include trust. Now don't throw things at me. This may be a little complicated for you. 
You can forgive someone and still not trust them. There was once a young woman who confessed to her counselor that she was raped repeatedly by her father over the last four years. Now, her counselor can work through issues of forgiveness with her, but it doesn't mean that she goes back home and she once again trusts her father. This is very typical in a lot of abusive situations where we can work through forgiveness, but doesn't we just throw ourselves back in the situation of abuse? But be careful. Some of you will use this as weaponry in your marriage. I forgive you. I just don't trust you. You'll use it maybe in a dating relationship. I forgive you. I just don't trust you. Be careful. Be careful. It's a very fine line here. But there's some situations where you can forgive and not have to trust. The second clarification. Forgiveness is not ignoring pain or treating sin as if it is no big deal. What someone did to you is a big deal. It hurts. You are absorbing real pain. If they say, will you please forgive me? Don't say, well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And it hurts. And just because it hurts, that's why you don't wait around till you feel like forgiving. Which brings me to the next clarification. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Can you imagine waiting around until you actually felt like forgiving someone? Someone hurt you so bad. Like, when exactly are you going to feel like forgiving? I, I don't know if I've ever really felt excited about forgiveness. That's real pain. Don't wait around to some big day you're going to feel like it. Next clarification. And forgiveness doesn't mean you don't confront sin as sin. This goes back to what we talked about last week. If someone is sinning or maybe even sinning against you, it's okay to in love confront them and, and point out the sin. Another clarification is forgiveness doesn't mean there are no consequences. Just because someone sins against me, I'm absorbing the cost, doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. Like if you borrowed my car, you go out and you get drunk, you drive my car, you crash my car, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm also going to send you a bill. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you politely to pay for my car. Look, when God forgives us, does that mean there are no consequences from our sin? Oh, don't you wish, right? No, you're forgiven, but there's still, even right now, some of you are experiencing the consequences from your past sin. doesn't mean there's no consequences. And the last clarification I want to make on forgiveness is that forgiveness, uh-oh, is not forgetting. I used to, boy, I used to try to, try to, Try not to remember. Try to forget. Work hard at forgetting. I want to forget the pain that has been done to me, but it's still there. And you say, well, you know what? That's the way God forgives you. God says, I forgive you, and I will remember their sins no more. Do you think he has a memory erase? He's omniscient. He knows everything. What, he, what he's saying is he's not going to bring them up to you anymore. He's not going to throw them in your face anymore. 
And, and, and sometimes we want to forget the wrongs that were done to us, but, but here's, I'm going to leave you of guilt. If you have forgiven someone and that, that memory is still there and it keeps popping up, it doesn't mean that you didn't forgive them. You don't need to feel guilty and condemned because you can't forget something that was so traumatic to you. But you can still forgive them. And perhaps over time, the memory will fade. Forgiveness is really hard for me. It was really, really hard for me. About, about 10 years ago, I went to go see a counselor, and I said, man, I have issues, lots of them. And forgiveness was, was, was at the core of lacking to give forgiveness. It was not leading the lifestyle forgiveness, and it was building up this despair, this bitterness, and this anger. As so I was meeting with this guy, I'm like, you've got to help me. And, and there's two things that, I, that I've learned that I want to share with you that have helped me, and perhaps it will help you. Maybe, I don't know. The first thing is this. Pray for those who hurt you and serve them in love. There's a verse from Luke 6, 27 and 28. It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who who abuse you. Let's, let's keep that up for a second. Let's fill in the blank. But I say to you, love your enemies. It doesn't have to be your hated enemy. You can insert so much in here. But I say to you, love your boss. Love your kids that are difficult with you. But I say to you, love your wife. Love your husband. Love your dad. Love your mom that may be challenging for you. Pray for them. You got issues, you're just like, oh, you just my mom and I, we just go at it. Pray for her. Do good to her. Serve her. And I know some of you are even wondering, but what if the person who's hurt me the most is dead? And there's nothing I can do with them now. They are dead. And to that I say, but you're still alive. And you can go before the Lord and say, Lord, I give you all this stuff and hurt from my past. I give it to you, Lord. I don't want it. I forgive them. I just give this to you. Make me free. Just because the person is dead doesn't mean that you're stuck with an entire lifetime of bitterness and despair from those past hurts. You can move past that by the grace of God. And the second thing that has helped me to move past this unforgiving heart of mine is... Think something good about them. This seems so basic. Think something good about them. I'm not just saying, well, just think happy thoughts. No, no, no. Ken Sandy calls this the replacement principle. You you mean, goodness gracious, you you have these wicked thoughts up here, and you you want to replace them with good thoughts. And, And one of the ways you can do this, you can start thinking of the things that are good about the person who has hurt you, if you can find it. There's probably something. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill your mind. Try to think of something good about that person who's harmed you. 
And, and the man that I went to go see about 10 years ago, a very old man, I, I mean, he's, I, I hesitate to say he's probably with the Lord now. If he's still alive, that'd be terrible to say. But he may be with the Lord now. But he was a great guy. I would go and just hang out at his house, and he would just counsel me in the strangest, straightforward ways and just giving me the simple truth. I would bring up something, he'd be like, ah, you can move past that. And I have this quote from him that I'm going to put up for you. It's a quote by Elwood Hell. That was his name. And he says this about forgiveness. He taught me this. I will make a choice to forgive people who have hurt me, disappointed me, ignored me, betrayed me, or were insensitive to me by choosing not to dwell on bitter memories, but choose instead to dwell on the things of good report and hold on to that which is good. That's really good. And I know it's hard. And I know some of you are stuck. You're stuck in the bitter memories. You're stuck in the despair. You're stuck in the disappointment. You're stuck by the people who have shunned you or ignored you. You're stuck with those who have betrayed you or were insensitive to you. And I want to say, it's time to move past that, right? I would say it's time right now. doesn't mean that all the memories are going to fade, but it's time right now before the Lord, because he has forgiven you, to say, I release it all. I forgive them. I give you my bitterness. I, I don't care if it's something that happened to you when you were like one or four. Like, I don't care if it altered your life physically or mentally and emotionally. It's time. Just move. Be done with it. Say, Lord, today... I'm going to forgive them. And you know what? If you need to approach them later this afternoon, if you need to call them, if they've asked for forgiveness before and you said no, I, I'm, I'm, this is classic for me. So let's ask God right now to help us move forward in this forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, there is a man in here. There are probably several men in here that you've cornered this morning and they need to forgive. They're not forgiving. They have a hard heart right now, Lord. May they release that to you. May they say they want to forgive as they have been forgiven in Jesus. And there is a woman in here, perhaps several women who have not moved past the the past of hurts or the betrayal or the disappointments. And I pray that, that this morning they will start to walk a path of forgiveness. Though the memories are not going to fade too quickly and the pain still may be there, may they forgive as they have been forgiven in the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's action we need to take this afternoon, there's someone we need to call, there's something we need to deal with, I just ask that we would deal with it. Praise you that we are forgiven in Jesus. Please enable us to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to take up an offering this morning. It's an opportunity for us to give cheerfully. If you are a visitor this